1: Husker fans, welcome to episode 170 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvatt for real.
2: And I'm Justin Swanson for reals.
1: In today's episode, we react to Nebraska's dominating win over Maryland and preview another must-win Black Friday game against Iowa.
2: And again, we really mean must-win. You can find us on the web at HuskerPod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcasts on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at HuskerPod or email us at HuskerPod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Justin, I nailed my score prediction. Man, I feel
1: so good about that. (laughs) I called my shot. I swung for the fence and for once it paid off.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's good.
1: Oh man, I think all of Nebraska needed what we got yesterday.
2: That was uh, it was just so such a relief. It was so funny <laughs> to see somebody <laughs> else make crazy goofy mistakes. Um it was great to see so many backups get in. It was yeah, it was just what the doctor ordered. Yep. And not not a second too soon. I mean, had to happen when it happened. If we want to go to a bowl,
1: mm-hmm. it really really ups the stakes for this next week. I don't think it can be overstated how important this Friday's game will be if Nebraska wins. Like if Nebraska beats Iowa on Friday that shapes the trajectory of, like, the entire future of Husker football. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, Iowa's important. Don't hear me wrong. (laughs) What I'm saying, though, is, like, it sets us on the correct trajectory that we've been saying we need to be on for years at this point. Like, this could be the starting point.
2: Well, I mean, we're on with the fifth win. We're on now, finally, a positive trajectory, even if it's a marginally positive trajectory. Because... I remember back before – it's been a four-game, six-week losing streak. Mm. And I remember going into the Minnesota game, I think, uh, Mo Berry was saying, uh, you know, you probably don't want to hear this, but I'm excited to get that fifth win because it's been – we haven't done it for three years. Um, And, you know, little did we know that we'd not get that fifth win for for a month and a half. Right. (laughs) Um, So so all that to say, yeah, we are on – finally an improved trajectory we kind of felt like maybe we were on that trajectory at the end of last year and then we dipped again mm-hmm. um so hopefully yeah to your point a uh getting that win on friday would be a really positive thing we get that bowl game we get those bowl practices mm-hmm. um also i mean the season's over friday yeah <laughs> if we lose <laughs> to state an obvious statement but i hadn't Really pause to think, like, this this could be it. I hope it's not, but this could be it for the season.
1: Mm. Yeah, we've been there too many times recently. We really have. Because wasn't it, like, the last time we went to a bowl game, wasn't it, like, it was a technicality, wasn't it?
2: No. The last time we went to a bowl game, two times ago. Oh, right. Yeah, Riley's first year was a technicality. We are 5-7, and Mm -hmm. and there weren't enough teams. I haven't heard anybody saying anything about that this year. Um, oh but, i'm
1: not expecting it <laughs> yeah i'm but, just saying uh, like has it really been that bad and that long since we but yeah i guess there there was that year where almost by fluke they were doing really well to start the season and then the train got off the rails
2: <laughs> yeah i mean riley definitely they definitely earned the the second bowl mm-hmm. with the nine one season
1: so overall, what did you think of the game? Um, for me, it was another, another weird week where uh, I was watching DVR uh, after the fact, so I, I kind of knew how the game started, but, man, it was so great to see it continue in that
2: direction. <laughs> it was a feel-good, throwback, classic, you know, 90s-era Huskers victory where...
1: With the triple option...
2: Involved in the game plan too, yeah. <laughs> um, but where we came out strong. We we uh, had some lucky bounces come your way, and you know I I like to hear that fortune favor uh, fortune favors the bold. So when you're being aggressive, when you're you know making things happen, things sometimes happen for you as well. Um, so just all those flukes, I, f- I feel like it's. For all the games where we've said, you know, just a play here, a play there, and maybe we win this, mm-hmm. I feel like it is worth acknowledging that uh, just a play here, a play there, and this could be competitive mm-hmm. f- further on into the game.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like you were saying, it, it's nice to see somebody else shoot themselves in the foot for once.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that that was a struggling team. I I think... For is trying to be gracious by saying, you know, both teams are motivated, but the reality is, we were still playing for bowl eligibility, and that was no longer possible for them. Yep. So, as much as you and I have said the last few weeks, like it's all about it's all about next year. There's still that there's still been that glimmer of hope that we could mm-hmm. earn a bowl. So the, the guys are definitely playing for that. And I thought one of the most striking elements of the game was just in the post game how much talk there was about this like physical. Celebration style, where Frost was encouraging the guys to like pat each other on the helmet. Apparently, they are a verbally celebratory team, so they say, "Hey, good job, buddy!" And Frost showed them how to celebrate physically, and as far as like pats on the head, and a bunch of guys talked about that. So when you when you go back and watch clips, you, you will notice that they're all celebrating physically, and, and and so that I guess that was a big piece of it. Um.
1: <laughs> I can just imagine how that went in practice, like. Guy's not used to it, like so. Just so, just tap his helmet. That's what it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it seems like a really stupid scene from like a movie where a bunch of misfits join a football league kind of thing. Is this how I do it? <laughs> <laughs> then the big fat kid who actually isn't athletic but somehow ended up on the team like gets overzealous and hurts one of the little kids when they try to do what? a chest bump. What'd you do? We should be screenwriters, Justin.
2: Yeah, definitely. But um. Another interesting post game commentary was that there was a lot of sick people.
1: <laughs>
2: Frost got a little graphic, so we rolled. But uh, you know, there was some real there was some real uh, things they had to overcome. And uh, you look at Iowa; they had a pretty hard fought game with with Illinois right up till the final bell. And uh, and we had our backups in in the second half. So on a short week, you know, every little bit helps. And that uh, yeah. You know, I won't, that could be a small advantage for us i
1: hadn't even considered that like those those starters that were out halfway through the game like those those are reps that they that they didn't have to be in and take the even just like the physical wear and tear even if they played a clean game and nobody got hurt like that's huge right
2: yeah so yeah so from from big picture spec perspective i guess those are my thoughts mm-hmm going to get into the offense here?
1: Yeah, man, it makes me so hopeful for the future. It's so crazy because like we get I almost said Taylor, we get Adrian Martinez for another two years. But holy cow, McCaffrey's awesome. Like I'm looking yeah. forward to him being our starter. I mean, that's like three years away.
2: Well, and there's and there's more people coming too. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just a really thrilling time when you when you look at the quarterback situation. And and he is back to being Himself, it would seem.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, oh man, I can't tell you just how happy I am. Um, even though, like some, like you, like you were saying, some of this is just like luck. Because that what was it—the first Spielman touchdown or his second one? I can't remember which one it was. But, oh, I
2: can't remember the first or but second. But the
1: where it was tipped twice and then he caught it. <laughs> it was kind of like, all right, Martinez. Uh, He just bailed you out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was... I thought that as the ball sailed over his head, or as he saw that it was about to sail over his head, he turned his head to look at the defenders and think, all right, I got to be a DB now. Mm. So he had shifted his focus to running interference, um, but it was so badly overthrown that I guess he had the time to adjust to those tips. Just crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And then what was it... um, I think Martinez, I think they said that he just passed. Oh, man, he he's up there. He passed a couple of guys with longstanding yeah. records for total offense. I think he might have passed Tommy Frazier. This is actually what I think uh, it was.
2: I was thinking maybe it was Eric Crouch. Uh. Both of those guys have such stats from four years no, of starting. No, I'm, I'm
1: pretty sure it was Frazier because I remember thinking to myself, man, that guy was known for putting up a lot of a lot of yardage. So, was it passing
2: in passing yards? I think it was just passing?
1: like I think it was total yards. Is total what it was. Yards. Yeah, total offense.
2: Well, anyway, whatever the case, um, Diedrich Mills, uh, twelve carries, only sixty-seven yards, but, which is a little surprising. But I guess if you consider, you know, the first drive where we had the turnover inside their their thirty, and it only took two carries to get in. I mean, you you don't need as many carries when you have short fields. Yeah. Uh, so he so he had he was the leading. Rusher in terms of carries, Adrian was the leading rusher in terms of yards. Ten carries for ninety-five yards, and then Luke, uh, Luke had ten carries for eighty-three. Well, I, you know, I guess technically Ramir Johnson was the leading rusher in terms of carries, eighteen carries for fifty-six yards. But uh, you know, I stand by saying De- Dedrick Mills is the leading, the leading rusher because it was the more critical time. Uh, but really exciting to see. Uh, Jalen Bradley make an appearance, get a couple carries for eight yards. Uh, Wyatt got a couple carries. Brody got a couple carries. Uh, 317 rushing yards, and nobody went over 100 yards. So that's uh, the spreading things around.
1: Yeah. Got to spread it like mayonnaise, the spicy mayonnaise on them. Popeye's chicken sandwiches.
2: I haven't had one yet. Have you?
1: I've had multiple.
2: (laughs) So it's good. They're, they're very good. So uh, one of our trivia questions when we did our trivia episode was how many people, or was it how many people have attempted field goals or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Four people had attempted field goals at that point. We had the fifth and then sixth person attempt a field goal. I guess we're transitioning to special teams. Are we good with that? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so Matt Waldick, or Waldock, who was uh, a soccer or like a club soccer player at the beginning of this year, hit three. All from 29 yards, um, yeah. hit hit them solidly. And then um, Harrison Martin, uh, another walk-on from Lincoln Lutheran, I believe, uh, hit one uh, in the fourth quarter. So
1: 4-4. That's, um, <laughs> that's so huge, though. Like, Could have been nice to have some of those in games when it mattered.
2: <laughs> only if they're from 29 yards, though. Yeah, that's the only guarantee, apparently.
1: Right. And then some kind of—I don't know if they were—they were on purpose—but some kind of wonky kickoffs that actually ended up falling in our favor. So that's cool.
2: Yeah, it just as we go through all of this, it's like, well, this went in our favor. Well, that went in our favor.
1: Yeah, it's like all the good luck that we haven't been getting this season. All like it all came together <laughs> for Maryland. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope that that spills over into this week.
2: A Really productive day for for this offense. I think we expected that to be a possibility coming in. Um, I think that people myself included who thought that it would be a close game never really doubted that the offense would move the ball. It was more a question of how well the defense could shut things down. Mm. Um, But yeah, I don't think we expected 31 first downs, 305 rushing yards, 226 passing yards, um, and
1: 10 points in the third quarter.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we won the third quarter. <laughs> yes, we did. And only one penalty, and I, I think the penalty was on Luke McCaffrey when he was in at wide receiver and he held. Oh, right. I think that's the only penalty. So that is... That's huge. I feel like even in a blowout, it's not... it's Like, the likelihood of penalties is still there. So that is... That's just amazing. The only mm-hmm. penalty is off of, uh, you know... Luke McCaffrey, who, you know, that's another thing to point out. I mean, th- th- I guess on Thursday or Friday, they're thinking, hey, we're going to be short some wide receivers, and Luke's really fast and athletic. Let's put him at wide receiver. <laughs> so they're saying, "What?" Well, um, you know, my first thought when he's in there at wide receiver is I'm thinking of Eric Crouch, who lost the starting job his freshman year, and they were really like, well, you know, he's not going to be a, the guy this year, so let's get, him, let's get him going at wide receiver. And he had that game where he – uh, ran past and caught for a touchdown, um, and then was it was it Bobby Newcomb? For, was it Bobby Newcomb that he was competing against? And, the, and then Bobby got hurt. Frankie London, man. Oh man, you're bringing us back. Really, it was Bobby Newcomb. And uh, so anyway, when, when when Luke came out, my first thought was like, oh, I wonder if this is like you know something we're trying for the long term. But then afterwards. Frost was really emphatic, like we just were really thin, and he's an athlete,
1: <laughs> right?
2: So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get Robinson and Noah back for next week yeah. or for Friday this week. Was
1: that McCaffrey's last game? I can't remember. Oh,
2: good question. I think it might have been.
1: Oh well. Hey, on that same note, I know we're kind of jumping around here, but you you had a really good uh, hypothetical about, like, do we know Pickering's actually no. injured?
2: <laughs> yeah, so Barrett Pickering sat this game out, which he had to sit one more game out if he was going to get this red shirt, and so they said he was in concussion protocol, and I'm just wondering, like, do you, do you have to be honest about those things? Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know what the benefit of not just saying we're sitting him out because we want to redshirt shirt him, like, why you wouldn't just say that? But yeah. Like, how does the kicker get a concussion?
1: I don't know, maybe he goes really hard in practice. and Oh, you I know get, what? It was because they were telling each other to celebrate physically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I was just going to think when the uh, Wisconsin uh, guy returned that kickoff, I think Barrett might have tried to tackle him and fallen down. Mm. I'm just – where my mind continues to go here is Frost has not been straight with us about injuries. He's told us he's not going to be straight with us about yeah. injuries. And, um he could have said, oh, Barrett uh, broke his finger or uh, Barrett uh, tweaked something in his hamstring. But, he, you know, he's like, he's not limping. He doesn't have his hand in the cast. So you just say, oh, he's using concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. There's no way to verify whether or not that's true. So let's move on from this. But right. wh- whatever, whatever the case, um, hopefully he is available on Friday and we'll have him for another year if that's what he wants to do. Hopefully he does. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I, I feel for the kid. I mean, what a frustrating year. We we still don't know what's wrong. Hopefully they tell us in the off season. but um, I can only imagine you spend a whole off season preparing for a season, and then it feels like whatever this was happened not long before the season, and then you just spend the whole season thinking, man, I wish I could play, I wish I could play. And then when you finally get in, you're not very – accurate you're kind of erratic because you haven't been playing. Mm -hmm. I haven't really run much since I did uh, my last race and now I'm going to do one on Thanksgiving and you know you get out of shape it doesn't take very long and even though he's a kicker I mean kickers are athletes too so all that to say probably feels probably been a tough season for him. Yeah all in all a really exciting offensive game very little in the way of mistakes or frustration and um, you know, if, if confidence is a big piece of this, and I think it is, we uh we should be as confident as we've been all season heading into Iowa. Yeah. Uh from an offensive perspective. And a defensive perspective. Yeah, man, the defense almost pitched a shutout. Except for
1: some stupid fluke play, like I said, what happened? <laughs>
2: When you I, did call that
1: when when it was when I was making my score prediction. I was like, "Man, there's gonna be something at some point where it gets away from him." I was just hoping that it would have been a, you know, still held to a field goal. But uh, I guess we're gonna keep waiting for that shutout.
2: I mean, they were they were really starting to go into detail about when the last one had been And I think that 2009 33 to zero Arizona bowl game. Oh wow. With, uh, Bringing it back. Yeah. Dumb consummate the defense on the defense. I mean, not much more you could ask for. The, just they shattered the will of the offense, and they shattered, like, three quarterbacks. Did they, con- oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> Did they convert any of those fourth down plays? Because they went for it pretty consistently towards the end of the game. And, man, Nebraska just locked in.
2: Fourth down conversions. They were 0 for 3.
1: There it is. Crazy.
2: They did not.
1: They did not. (laughs) I've never even seen that movie. I don't know what that is. Oh, the room. I did not hit her. I did not.
2: Oh, hi, Mark.
1: (laughs) Stupid.
2: I'm looking here at defensive stats, and uh, there's a lot to like. Khalil Davis, 2.5 sacks. Uh, Colin Miller, JoJo Doman, Carlos Davis, each with a sack. Steely with a half a stack, sack. Forced fumbles. Three forced fumbles. Four passes broken up. No no interceptions. So that'd be nice to see. Also just a bunch of name names here that or several names anyway that I haven't seen all season. Simon Otte, Uh Reed Carroll. I feel like we haven't heard much of him. Uh, Joseph Johnson. Those are those are. Uh, those are backups, seeing seeing the light of day here and getting some tackles.
1: That's what you want to see, especially at this point in the season, get these boys primed for next year.
2: Yeah, that was that was just a really bad offense. And, like, even from the first play, that fumble, um, even before that first fumble on that first play, their weird little handoff where they kind of – he ran to him to hand it off. I, I assume that was on purpose. Uh, I tweeted, does anybody know, like, what – what is this called? And someone just said bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, they not not a good offense, but when you've got a bad offense, you expect to see the defense dominate, and yeah. they did. And,
1: and they I don't did. think the weather had as much to do with it as everybody was like anticipating before the game. Everybody kept saying, oh, well, you know, it's going to be rainy. That's really going to have an effect on this offense because they yeah. like to throw the ball. Right. They are just
2: bad in general. Yeah. Total offensive yards for Maryland is 206. They they netted 149 yards rushing, and they netted 57 yards passing. Jeez. That's really bad. <laughs> they, they actually gained 190 yards rushing, but they lost 41, presumably, on the six sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think wow. four, four tackles for loss. So, so that's really bad. Yep. Also, we, we had um, 35 more snaps than them. We had 87. They had 52. Wow. Um, we didn't have a huge amount of yards per play. Well, we're getting, that's one of the key stats. I'll, I'll save that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, sweet. The guy's flying around, contact being made, running through tackles. Can't, uh, can't, do, can't get too high and hyped because it's a bad team. But at the same time, as I just said, these are the things you do to bad teams. Now, can you please tell me how they scored a touchdown because I missed it?
1: Yeah, so it was Maryland's final drive of the entire game the last time they had the football. This guy, Javon Leak, who was he was their, their highest rusher for the day because he got a 58-yard touchdown um, and, you know, just kind of your standard busted play where our guys end up chasing him can't can't catch up with him um but yeah i mean he he had like 80 yards on the day and he was their leading rusher so uh, you know if you got one run for 58 yards and 80 yards total on a day when your total offense is what you said like 200 yards yeah uh, there you go man yeah. <laughs> not a good day for maryland
2: so yeah. I have to confess. With uh, my family and I went to the Christmas Carol, the Omaha Community Playhouse Saturday night, and it was one of those deals where the game time didn't get set till the very last minute, mm. and so we're like, uh, hopefully it's not a night game, and then it ended up being two thirty game. So I was in dinner and missed that touchdown. So for for my consciousness, it was a shutout because I saw nothing. Sure. Otherwise.
1: And it, I mean, it really should have been like it was just like, like I said, it was just a busted play. But like you said, um, a lot of a lot of backups, a lot of young guys in there towards the end of the game. So, you know, eh, if they left the starters in, probably would have got that. So I guess the trade off is uh, is worth it.
2: Yeah, it's worth it. Whatever. <laughs> we all pretty much already pretty much dissected special teams. I mean, four for four field goals, all the PATs made, uh, Punks weren't where they were supposed to, kickoffs weren't bad. Um, you know, one of those days where you pause and you think, and nothing really stands out from from special teams, and you say, "Yeah, that was good."
1: I'm curious as to how we did uh, SP plus. Did we improve? Well, I, have,
2: I have that information <gasps> for you. Ooh! I hope it's all positives. Should be good grief. Do you want to uh, do Frost Key stats in SP+ and SP nah, plus? let's so? do SP plus first. Okay. So, we moved up overall three spots to 52. Yeah! Pushing knocking on
1: that door of the top 50.
2: Offensively, we moved up three spots to 41. All right. Defensively, we moved up six spots to 55. Yeah! And special teams moved up three spots to 123.
1: Let's make it top 120 by the end of the season. Think we
2: can do it? I think we can. (laughs) I think a little home cooking here uh, in front of the... Tusker faithful with Hawkeyes. I'm really curious as to how interested they are to come. I mean, mm. yeah, because I mean they're having an okay
1: season, not a right. good I season. Mean, but.
2: it's like a kind of standard Iowa year. I mean mm-hmm. people people talk about Bo Polini being nine and three. I mean like the Hawkeye numbers like eight and four. And if we can win, that will be eight and four. Before we get to that, Frosky stats. Okay. Uh, so uh, yards per play, we won. to 4.0, which, you know, you take out that 58-yard rush. Those stats, I think, are so funny because they reflect a ton of plays for us and short yardage frequent situations, you know, like turnovers. Yeah, And then for them, not many plays because they had a fraction of the plays we ran and then one big one. So, um, anyway, that's the stat we won in that stat. Points per possession – Three point six for us and a half a point for them. So (laughs) that's good. Yeah, and and then we won the turnover battle one to four. We threw uh, one interception and they fumbled and lost four fumbles. Wow. So clean sweep. That's uh, about what you'd expect from uh, from a dominating win. That's how you do it. The biggest blowout of uh, the Big Ten era for us. Wow. It's about time. It's uh, it's also about time to wrap this one up. As you already shared, you you won the score prediction contest. Indeed. I'm really happy that you won it. So I think – what is it, where does that put us for the year? It's been such a bummer to track this stuff. Mm. Okay, we are now tied 2-2-1. Two, two oh, man. Because there was that tie. Um, and it's just been such – like nobody has wanted to give score predictions in the last few weeks. Like Wisconsin literally, I think – our buddy Trent, who is a consistent commenter on our Twitter page, Trent, you're like the only person to give us a, a score prediction. So, so thank you. So thanks, thanks to everybody. Um, and we have just like you and I have had a tie. We had a tie in our score prediction contest this week from our listeners, Corey Piercy and Dallas Davy. Uh, Dallas Davis were both off by 19 points, although with very different score predictions. Corey predicted 41 to 13 um, so kind of kind of in the middle he was on both the high end for us and the low end for them mm-hmm. and then Dallas was even more extreme he picked 69 to three which he picks every week so um, <laughs> it finally nice. paid off he had that that one moment where we shut them down because nobody else picked anything that low for for Maryland score and then uh, well, except me except you. <laughs> right. So, good job, you guys. You both picked, you both picked three. That's what you you two had in common.
1: I'm such a poor sport when I'm winning, because I know it's just dumb luck. <laughs> oh, so that's if
2: we can win the Iowa game, we'll have a tiebreaker. One of us will have won it, unless in well, fair. I guess if well, if we win the Iowa game, one of us will be up. But then, we'll oh go yeah,
1: win. still potentially could end with a tie on the season, couldn't we?
2: There would be some poetry too. A tie. I'm not sure why, but there would be. You want to hear about Iowa? Let's do it, brother. We already started talking about them a little bit. Um, Iowa is sitting at eight and three. Uh, SP plus they're 21 overall. Offensively, 63. Defensively, eight. Special Ooh. teams is 20, 24. So, um, yeah, some interesting stats uh, revealed themselves as I'm looking through here. But just let me walk through their season. They've got they had a streak of four wins over. Uh, three terrible teams and one decent team. They beat Miami of Ohio 38-14, Rutgers thirty to zero. They went to Iowa State and in one of their best wins of the year, they won eighteen to seventeen. Iowa State's currently ranked twenty-four SP plus. And then they smoked Middle Tennessee forty-eight to three. Then they had a two-game losing streak. They lost at Michigan ten to three, and they lost Penn State seventeen to twelve. Those are. Both top ten opponents at this point in SP Plus, Purdue. Uh, so then they had another two game win streak. Purdue twenty six twenty and at Northwestern twenty to zero, and then they lost at Wisconsin twenty four to twenty two, and then they're on a two game win streak now with their best win of the year over Minnesota twenty three to nineteen. Minnesota is currently ranked fourteen in SP Plus, and then uh, a kind of hard fought game. Uh, they beat Illinois nineteen to
1: ten. What is with their they got some weird scores this year. I'm just looking at this like 17 to 12, 26, 22 19. What
2: is all this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're going for two a bunch or what. Yeah. It's just it's just really apparent to me that they just don't score a lot of points. Mm. And so I actually went through and tracked the defenses. They've had they've played some a number of of good defenses. Minnesota's number 25, Wisconsin's 14. Penn State's 10, Michigan's 5, uh, Iowa State's 21 overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the bad teams they played, I mean, 30, 30 points on Rutgers, who's 117 overall, you know, 48 points on 109 Middle Tennessee. They just haven't scored a lot of points this year. Um, so, I mean, they're 63 overall offensively. I guess that speaks to that. Quarterback Nate Stanley has really got the bulk of the yardage uh that all that to say, they haven't they haven't moved the ball on the ground very well. Uh, Stanley is twenty eight or two hundred eight of three forty eight passing. That's I didn't write down what percentage that is, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say what it was, I didn't write it down. Uh, the internet tells me that it is uh, 598 fifty eight fifty nine point eight percent. So not great. Um, for two thousand six hundred sixty three yards, fourteen touchdowns, and six interceptions, he's run the ball sixty four times for two yards total net. Um, he's been sacked twenty one times. Um, their two leading rushers have not yet cracked 500 yards. Uh, Mackay Sargent has rushed the ball 109 times for 488 yards and four touchdowns. He has also got 13 receptions for 139 yards. Um, Tyler Goodson has carried the ball 103 times for 474 yards and three touchdowns, and he's caught the ball 21 times for 146 yards. Now I'm really curious. Mike, I don't know the answer here. If you had to guess, how many r- rushing yards does our leading rusher have
1: our leading rusher
2: yeah I'm just I'm, I'm sitting here saying hey they can't run the ball but then I'm like hey we might not be that great either
1: man that's it's so hard because you think of how we've had to you think about how we've had to rely on so many different people throughout the season um
2: yeah I don't think Wandale would be over 500 yards I feel like Dedrick could be at 600 uh, Adrian might be at 600 um yeah huh. All right, I've got the answer here. Rushing, Dedrick, 651, Adrian, 582, Wandale, 326. Drop the mic. <laughs> Nailed it. Nicely done. I feel
0: good about that.
2: <laughs> uh, and then you got Maurice Washington with 298. And and then Luke McCaffrey. Wow. Okay, sorry, back to Iowa. No, but um, like, that's,
1: that's crazy to think that McCaffrey's up there, but yeah.
2: I mean, he's fifth.
1: He's a running quarterback
2: too. <laughs> he's a running quarterback. Um, wide receiver, they they've passed the ball around. So for having a relatively anemic rushing offense, it doesn't feel like they have any receivers with too many yards either. Emir Smith Marset has 41 catches for 654 yards and four touchdowns. So he's kind of the main guy there, both with catches and yards. Tyrone Tracy Jr has 34 catches for 569 yards and 3 touchdowns so right behind Brad, uh, Brandon Smith has 33 catches for 407 yards and 4 touchdowns and Nico Reganey has 41 catches for 373 yards which is a pretty significant drop off after those 4 so um, they're they're kind of a passing offense yeah. basically hmm. is what which I feel I feel good about our corners and yeah. I feel like our safeties have come a long way um I feel like uh the play of the the defensive line if everybody's healthy that could be really huge for us. I feel like it's been so long. That was part of the the burst I think defensively this week as we had um Damian Jackson back and Carlos Davis back. I mean, that, those are hu- literally but also metaphorically huge guys for yeah. us. So the outside linebacker and the, the linebacker play I feel like could really decide this game both them covering people in the flats and getting to the quarterback. Um, defensively, you look at Iowa, Kristen Welch or Christian Welch is their leading tackler with 70 tackles and three and a half sacks or three sacks. Excuse me. Um, Michael Ojemudu. I probably mispronouncing his name. I can't really read my own handwriting and I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, has three interceptions and AJ Epinesa has seven sacks. Um, be good to see him graduate and be gone. Um, I'll be curious to see how our tackles can handle him. Uh, Their kicker, Keith Duncan, is 22 of 22 on PATs and has been – he's kicked a lot. He's attempted 32 field goals. He's made 27 of them, so he's sitting at 84.4%. His longest is uh, from 49 yards. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good matchup. I think we are – we have as much momentum as we've had all season – and we had a bye week, and then we played a half a game. Basically, our starters did, and so we're coming in relatively fresh, whereas, looking at Iowa's schedule, they played at Northwestern, then they had a bye, then they had they went to Wisconsin and lost, they hosted Minnesota, which was a physical, hard-fought victory, and they hosted Illinois, which was a physical and hard-fought victory. So, you know, you look at freshness, um, that could be a, that could be an advantage for us here at the end of the season. We, people are so run down. We've had so many guys out, um, but they could, they could have had time to recover. So, whew, I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, they've faced if our offense can click like we know it can. I don't know if they've faced quite the dynamic. So so if we're healthy and if we're clicking, I don't think they face such a dynamic <laughs> offense. I don't know. Maybe Illinois is still dynamic. Hard to say. I'm trying to be hopeful here. <laughs> Hey, that's all we got at this point. We had a great conversation with Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette this summer. Always a pleasure talking to Mark. And uh, here were some of his thoughts on uh, on the Hawkeyes. So this is a summer conversation talking about game 12. So, you know, things change between then and now. But anyway, here's, here's Morehouse's thoughts.
0: Defensive line is a, is a huge strength. And I think that puts Iowa in the conversation in the Big Ten West, um, in the conversation. Uh, Ebeneza, he'll be gone after this year. He's a premier player. Uh, they have other defensive linemen who are kind of in his category. And I think they're finding bodies a tackle. big deal for Iowa was getting Davion Nixon uh, eligible uh, and, and on the field. He's a 300-pound tackle from Iowa Western, uh, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. So getting him a tackle was a big deal. I think this team would have been weak up front without that. And then they have some kids who are young uh, on the inside who will, who will need maybe could contribute. Uh, I think Iowa has a chance to get to eight rotators on the defensive line. And I think if you can get to that, you can be a contender in the big 10 West for sure. Offensively. I think that Iowa has a, maybe it's most experienced quarterback uh, since I've been on the beat for 22 years. Um, I think Stanley he's, he's going, he, he makes bad plays. He has bad moments in games. Um, he needs to straighten that out. And he's, if will be a, he will be a, a senior this year and he need, he knows he needs to edit that stuff out of his game. And so I, I would t- I count him as a, as a very much a positive, but he needs some help. And I think the big question for the offense is going to be the running game. I think, uh, I think Nebraska people have figured that out. I, I think Sam wrote a story about that. So, yeah, I think, uh, it's obvious I think Iowa needs uh, to get the running game straightened out. I think the offensive line has a real chance to be a step better than it was last year. I really, I think both tackles will be NFL players probably in a year and Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson. But they need to find a running back. Uh, and then they have six on scholarship, and that's going to be quite the story, and it's going to be maybe the biggest story wow. in, in fall camp. Thanks again to
2: Mark. Look forward to talking to him next summer. Yeah.
1: All right, you want some hopes and fears?
2: Yeah, let's do that.
1: All right. I don't know if this counts as a hope, but I am just so stoked that Nebraska's got everything to gain from a win this week. I feel like it's guaranteed that Iowa is going to get Nebraska's best effort. Like these guys are going to be, they're just going to be focused. They know that they've got to win this game, they're going to be playing their hearts out. Um, So I'm excited for that. on the flip side, I am afraid that Nebraska gets behind early and feels like they're playing catch-up. I think if Nebraska can get out ahead of the Hawkeyes and stay ahead of them through the first half, that bodes really well for the rest of the game. But I just... Man, in terms of morale, I could see them getting behind and it being one of those situations where they start to panic or they're afraid and they're like... I don't know. Because they you know, they bring so much energy that if they get behind, they could see it turning into panic, and you don't want that this week at all. Like, you want these guys just just hammering them. So yeah. that's my hope is is that they, they get out ahead early and they stay out ahead because we've all seen multiple times this year what happens when Nebraska they score a couple touchdowns early on in the game and then it just starts to unravel. So I just hope that we're done with that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, my, my hope would be – Similar to yours, similar to what I've just said, that um, with everything to play for, this team is locked in and fresh and dynamic and, um, you know, gelling. Kirk Ferentz's crew, his coaching staff, like a lot of what they're doing, they've been doing it for like 20 years. So it's not like you're going to have some dramatic epiphany where they're like, oh, this is how we're supposed to be playing. Whereas, Mm. you know, maybe the Huskers have had something like that. It is only year two, um, having some breakthroughs, having some young guys be successful and, and be important contributors. So I just feel like we have all the momentum, we have all the the rest, and man, I hope I hope we can put this one to bed. And you and I have been podcasting; we've talked about this a lot this year. We've been podcasting for five seasons, um, and we have not yet done a podcast following a victory over Iowa or Wisconsin. True. So it would be great to get the monkey off our back. Monkey get off my back like yours and mine, I'm just being selfish here. Yep. It'd be nice to get that monkey off our back and, and be able to talk about a victory and you know, try and find the time to schedule you and me talking on a holiday weekend where we can celebrate.
1: <laughs> As opposed to I guess
2: we gotta make this
1: happen at some point.
2: Yeah. My my fears <laughs> would be my fear would be that in terms of motivation that the team gets a little too hyped up. I think you look back at that Colorado game, oh, and I think yeah. we all agree that they were a little too hyped up. I didn't I, – I heard something earlier this season from a from a former player who was talking before game one about how jacked up the guys were to play, but he said, you know, but they're really jacked up for the Colorado game. Mm. And I, just at the time I was like, well, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to say, we're going to get this one done, and then we'll think about the next one, like – Why would you say that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, you know, I think uh, the quarterback at Montez's quote was, we talked ourselves out of the game. So anyway, I guess my fear would be something like that.
1: Mm.
2: And we have to hear the baloney from those guys for another year.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully they've already experienced that once this season.
2: So, you know, once bitten, twice shy, right? Who bit you? So, Mike, you won last last week's score prediction contest between the two of us. So why don't you uh, share your prediction first here?
1: Okay, sure. Here is my prediction. I'm going with a little bit lower scoring than last week, obviously. Um, 24-14 Nebraska.
2: That's, you know, that's in keeping with, with the scores that we've seen. Um, yeah, I'm...
1: I almost said twenty to ten, but I feel like they're going to get in the end zone more than once.
2: Yeah, you know, as you look at that Wisconsin game and the way we were able to exploit what was at that time a top ten defense, um, you got to feel good about our our chances of doing the same thing. But I just I think these guys are better. I think their defense is is savvier. Um, I want to pick more than twenty four points though. I want to say I'm gonna say. I just, and I don't think they can score that much. I'm tempted to say something like twenty four to thirteen, but that's
1: <laughs> that's one point away from mine.
2: Well, and I just I think it'll be closer I think however the the odds of this getting away from Iowa are low. Mm. Uh, you know they're just built to handle this stuff. I don't know um let's let's say twenty seven 19 because they have weird scores okay. Sounds good. You're 24-14, I'm 27-19. Yep. Okay.
1: All right, folks, you know the drill. Well, this season maybe you don't. <laughs> huh. uh, but, hey, uh, we got one more chance here. Um, oh, I got, you know. Let's assume we have two more chances with the bowl game. But um, please do send us your score predictions at HuskerPod on Twitter, huskerpod at gmail.com. Post or message us on Facebook. Just search Husker Football Fan Podcast, and you'll be able to find us that way.
2: Hey, Mike, you had a a tweet, you know, a little bit of chatter. Actually, a lot of bit of chatter. Um, I thought we could talk about that for a little bit. You basically said the sellout streak is a farce. I use hyperbole, okay?
1: Just, like, just accept the fact that I put my foot in my mouth on Twitter all the time. Like, that's just the way it goes. But I'm going to actually stand by this a little bit, man. I think that the sellout streak... As admirable and as wonderful as it is, it's it's supported by these donors behind the scenes who are making sure that the sellout streak continues.
2: And so for me, I feel like that that's kind of cheating. So here's here's why I disagree with you. Okay. Um so that may be the case that someone or some corporation has paid for tickets. Nevertheless, tickets have value. Tickets cost money, and when you use your money to buy something, that is a statement of value. It's a statement of there is something here that I want, and a sellout is just that. It's a sellout. If if the stadium is not full all the time, and then you and I, I mean, this is, we all know this. We've never said this is like the stadium is 100% full. Yeah. But I just think the fact that someone is willing to pay money for tickets that they're not even going to use shows just how valuable, how much value there is in the sellout streak. And and Notre Dame, we talked about it last week. Notre Dame just lost theirs, and they had at different times had donors step forward and cover that. And the fact was donors didn't want to do it. Hmm. So that sellout, those sellouts, uh, those tickets didn't have value. So the fact that there are still, and I don't know, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody really knows if it's people... Or or organizations or what, but now if it's the university itself buying them, <laughs> that that might be. I don't. I have no reason to believe that's the case. Yeah, I, I doubt I don't it think is. So, yeah. But were that the case, that would be a little bit of a farce because that's more like self dealing. Like when you when you put a book out and you have someone buy a thousand copies to get it to the top of the New York Times bestseller list, right? Yep.
1: Which but happens. This, which which happens,
2: and it's cheating. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but this, like, you have someone or some someone's out there who's saying, this is important to me, that South streak has value to me, those tickets have value to me, so I'm going to buy them and continue to sell out. And that is not a farce.
1: Okay. Well, Justin, uh, you have the benefit of me not feeling super strongly about this one, so I can respect your opinion and, and even say, fair point.
2: Yeah, well... And I think it's been said, I think Moose has said we're going to probably expand some of the seats, so they'll probably continue to shrink it.
1: Oh, he actually was talking about, like, widening the seats physically? like, Is that what you mean?
2: Well, yeah, I think they already did it. I think i did it, because we used to have more than 90,000 seats. And, Jeez. Or, we used to fit. Yeah, so we've done it already. Man,
1: that's just crazy to think, because, like, it still seems crowded now, but, Yeah.
2: Well, one other thing, maybe a more positive note to to talk about here. Uh, congrats to Frank Solich for being the winningest coach in MAC history, 111 wins. That's quite the testament to his ability to grow a program. And you know, it's been his firing has been described as the original sin of uh, of Nebraska football. I think Sam McEwen said that, and it, I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> uh, I think it's apt, and uh, that's a, he's a great guy. Frank is, and just happy for him.
1: So you're welcome, Solich. <laughs> That's terrible. I was listening to uh Peter the Lion song came up on, uh, on Shuffle today, and it was Winners Never Quit, where he sings You should be thankful that you're such a failure because your second chance might never have come. Mm. I'm not calling Solich a failure, but he probably felt like one when he got fired.
2: So One usually does upon being <laughs> fired. <laughs> right. That's... Because-
1: don't feel like a winner, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> Mike, what kind of Thanksgiving plans do you have?
1: Well, some of it actually involves Central Nebraska Buffalo because I personally took advantage of the Black Friday sales that we described on last week's oh, podcast. Oh, really? So, yeah, I got myself a, man, it was like a, a grab bag pack of like a a ribeye steak, a steak fillet, some hamburgers, some ground bison. It was awesome. So
2: nice. Did you have it shipped, or did you go pick it up, or actually
1: that work? Uh, it, on a fluke they were in Omaha this weekend? So I just met up with Kendra and picked them up in person. So oh, great, it's great. Yeah, we might uh, we might be taking advantage of some of that this weekend. So that'll be fun. Cool.
2: I will be uh, this year. Uh, I will be running a race on Thanksgiving, as is my tradition, and going out to chances are out in New York. And then game on Friday, and then Saturday going over to going over to Iowa to be with the family. So always more enjoyable when we win on Friday, which <laughs> hasn't sure. happened for a while.
1: Well, hey, speaking of Friday, um, part of my plans for this weekend involve actually going to the game. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. Uh... Thanks to the, the generosity of actually Justin's parents, they're hooking me up with tickets for this week. So thank you so much, Mr. and Mrs. Swanson. It means a lot. And uh, looking forward to uh, watching the Huskers win this weekend.
2: I was uh, texting with, with the folks out at Central Nebraska Buffalo with Kendra about what they were going to be doing, and sounds like they're going to be spending a lot of time with family. And uh, if it's nice, go pheasant hunting and shoot blue rock. So that sounds fun. I have done that for a while.
1: That's cool because, like we said last week, they j- they did their Black Friday sales early. So, um, you know, kind of reflecting, I think the uh, oh, I don't know, the ideals of our own podcast. Whereas, like you and know I like Husker football, but like that's not all there is to life,
2: right? That's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's other things to do. Go outside, enjoy. It. Yeah, enjoy the nice weather, man. Today I put up uh, the nativity display at my parents' house with my dad. Nice. Yeah. It's really nice to do that, not in three feet of snow. So Yeah, I wish I
2: had the opportunity to do that today. Mm. You know, I suppose Herbivore has been enjoying the pleasant weather, and on Thanksgiving, I suppose he'll just be eating all day like he does every day. Awesome. And soon enough, we'll be eating him. Can't wait.
1: Because we are not Herbivores. No. We are meativores.
2: Manivores.
1: Omnivores. Because, you know... It's good to have a little bit of broccoli with your bison and steak.
2: Sure. Are we at the meandering point of the end of the episode? I'm talking we just...
1: about broccoli, Justin. What do you think? <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, uh, uh, hopefully I'll see you on Friday.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
2: Let's, uh, let's figure that out. Sounds good, man. All right. Go Big Red, Mike. Go Big Red.